0: Ladies and gentlemen,
1: only the best internet radio station <laughs> in the world. Ooh yeah!
0: No, the universe. Dakota iRadio Network. Backed by popular demand. Woo. Now about to witness the strength
1: of street knowledge. I'm <laughs> your DJ. DJ Barbecue.
2: Has done over 400 events.
1: Ooh yeah! Five, four, three, two, one.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands in the air. Uh, let's get ready to <laughs>
0: This is Uncut Live, and I'm DJ Barbecue. Powered by Kback.rocks. Rock radio the way rock radio should be. Midwest All Pro Wrestling. Go to MidwestAllProWrestling.com. Get tickets and feel the excitement. Jekyll and Hyde Barbecue Our brothers from another mother. They make barbecue so good, mm-hmm. they'll put a smile on your face. And Remedy Brewing Company, it's the remedy for what ails you. Hey, Code Radio Network. This is your boy, DJ Barbecue, with our host, Dave the Tiger Man Smith. Dawson can't be here, unfortunately. We have a special guest. We have Madman Fulton here today with us. Uh, Madman, thank you for being on the show with us today.
1: Always, man. Can't wait to be down there in a couple weeks for the show on February 1st. Right on,
0: right on. Uh, Dave, why don't you go ahead and start us off here?
2: Uh, Let's see. Uh, So, Madman, you've had a a really great career, Uh, former NXT superstar, current Impact uh, wrestling superstar. Uh, What's the the biggest difference between those two promotions?
1: Um, Yeah, I've been been wrestling coming up on ten years now, five of which were spent with NXT, and then this last year with Impact. Um, Honestly, both of them are completely different animals even though they're the exact same thing. It's weird to say, but like NXT is, is, is this almost like a competition It's cutthroat. It's you want to figure out your way out of there. Every single time that, you know, you think you have an angle, something else comes up. There's always so many levels to breaking out of that bottleneck that is NXT. But on the flip side, you are in the, you know, you're in the performance center with some of the best coaches and wrestlers from around the world. Like, you learn a lot there. Whereas, like, your impact, like, right now, I kind of feel like how it was when I first started with NXT. Like, nobody went to NXT when I started there in 2012. We were doing shows in front of 12 people in Palatka, Florida. And I was hearing Bray Wyatt cut amazing promos to nobody. You know, that's how you learn. But, like, there's, like, this camaraderie, this brotherhood on building something up, building something new, trying to rival what Raw and SmackDown was. And right now at Impact Wrestling, it's that same feeling, man. You have men and women just busting their asses day in, day out, putting on these incredible shows and incredible matches to try to rebuild you know, this company from from where it was to try to rebrand it to show that, you know, we are an alternative to WWE, to AEW, or something new, or something different. Like, that's honestly my favorite part about working with Impact is it's not the same stale storylines we've seen for the last, you know, 10 years. There's actually new stuff going on. There's actually, like, just crazy, just insane storylines and like people die on impact and like we get banned from twitch and it's it's fun it's <laughs> chaos it's, it's outlaw wrestling right it's awesome thing to be a part of
0: uh what about that whole being banned on twitch what was your feeling on that because when i saw that i was like oh snap
1: yeah that was a little uh <laughs> a little not, weird not to, to
2: clarify. hear to clarify it was only a 24-hour ban right
1: it was only it was only a 24-hour ban. Um, actually, I think it ended up being a one-week ban. Oh, um, yeah. We but it's it's lifted now. Impacts Twitch is back up and running. Right on. So there's no need to worry about it. You can always catch us there on you know Tuesday nights at eight. Um, but it was it's kind of funny because like as I was saying like we're out here to make a different sort of program and to make just this crazy just on entertaining wrestling that's just different and sometimes you see a line and you decide you want to flirt with that line and you trip over a little bit um so like yeah it's unfortunate that we got the band but at the same time like i'm happy to be in a place that's at least trying something new and something different you know
2: the, thi- the thing I love about Impact is it, it gets all these uh, former WWE superstars that didn't really have the the place to shine over there. Like you know they have yourself, you know Sammy Callahan, got T J Perkins. When and then you like turn on Impact and you get to like see your guys' personalities. You get to see you guys shine, actually be something that you guys want to be. How, how does that feel?
1: It's uh. It's kind of cool, and I'm not going to say, like, you know, NXT, like, holds you down or WWE holds you down or holds you these specific characters. Um, I think it's just you you feel like you have more freedom and impact, you know? And on the flip side, you know, you mentioned that we have a lot of, you know, ex-WWE guys. They have a lot of ex-impact guys. They have a lot of guys who found out who they were and honed their craft and became these amazing superstars and did all the groundwork at impact before, you know, moving over to WWE. Um, right. but there's, you know, there's a lot of us like I, I worked my hardest in NXT and, you know, things just didn't work out. That's, you know, it's the way the cookie crumbles and you can sit there and you can get mad at the situation or you put it out of your mind and you reset yourself and you keep working towards a goal. And for me, that's where, you know, what it was. I, you know, I didn't, know where I was going to end up but professional wrestling is the whole reason I'm here on this earth there's nothing else I want to do with my life and so by coming up here and like training with Sammy and Dave and Jake and honing my craft and just getting better each and every single time you know they take note of that they see guys who are out here busting their ass and trying and wanting to be better and those are the guys they bring in to our program because that's Guys and girls. I'm, I'm saying guys as in everybody inclusively. Uh, but, you know, that's that's what they look for. They want people who want to get better and want to build this brand like together as a team. Um, I, I can honestly say I don't know anyone in that locker room who isn't willing to push themselves to the absolute limit, you know, to, to put on a good show for everybody.
0: Looking at it from a fan's uh, concept, uh, I'm really happy to see that you're on Impact because, um, as some of the listeners know, uh, you were in a, a faction, uh, Sanity, and I was really excited to see that group. And then I remember they, the things happened and it switched, and you weren't in there. Uh, but I, I see that this is kind of more of a, in, in my, my view, uh, a more of an expanded part of what you could have played in that group uh, previously in NXT that you're doing in Impact.
1: Um, yeah, like, it's, it's been a crazy time with the guys in OVE. Like, between those three dudes, there's so much to learn and there's so much talent to kind of just feed off of. And they bring, like, honestly, they bring a new sort of confidence out of me. Um, you know, as I said, when you're in NXT, you, you have access to all these, like, just the greatest coaches and wrestlers in the world in this awesome facility but in my opinion it's hard to actually learn how to be a professional wrestler There, it's hard to figure everything out when the fact that whether or not you want to eat that night you know and I see that checks coming no matter what but out here when you when you drop back in the Indies if you're not good you know you don't you don't make that money you figure out what you need to do to advance yourself in your career Um and i think with impact you know i know when i first came in i i had a lot to prove of myself especially from what happened with sanity and with my background and i think every single time i stepped in the ring i proved to them that i'm a force to be reckoned with and that i am this monster that that they're they're giving me the chance to be um, and sorry i kind of got sidetracked in talking but, but yeah it's It's an awesome experience, and I I feel like every opportunity I've been given here, I've taken it as far as I could. And the name of the game now is Focusing Up, Feeling Better, and uh, Going After uh, Championship 2020.
0: Uh, Fulton, how tall are you exactly? Because I know I see you on camera, and then it's different when you're actually seeing you live. But how tall are you?
1: I am 6'8". And right now, probably about 285. Um, I've been leaning up a little bit. But I have uh, definitely a lot of difficulty like getting on the planes and such. I don't know if you guys saw that uh, story that went out uh, on the way home from Mexico City last weekend. I sat down in a seat, completely shattered it in the airplane. And delayed <laughs> I delayed us another 15 minutes. Hey,
0: don't feel uh, bad. Uh, my, my cousin is 6'7", and he's this big old uh midwest cowboy and he's had that issue to where he'll uh the the this apparatus or the chairs won't support
1: him so don't feel bad <laughs> you're not it's, the it's a big guy problems man. right uh, you know especially in the way the wrestling seems to be going it's really becoming more of a athletic kind of uh i i don't want to say flippy but it's definitely much more fast paced and it's much more athletic and requires so much more of you. And I think it's, it's rare to find, like, big guys who can keep up with that. Um, talk I, talk you know, about – I pride my, uh, myself and my cardio and being able to keep up with guys and, right. and being able to go.
2: Talk about being more athletic, big, and uh, traveling Mexico City, which is a whole different beast, and that's a lot more expected out of you. Uh, you want to tell us about your trip?
1: Uh, yeah, Mexico is one of, like, it's, it's crazy, but it's also, like, kind of hard to work in. Mexico City is super high elevation. I think it's higher up than even Denver. Wow. Uh, so you're instantly, you're already hard to breathe. Like, the first the first thing I do when I get there is go get a workout in just to get used to sucking in that air. Um, and... Not to mention that, but like their rings are also like much, much harder than your average ring. So you have a lot to overcome just by being in Mexico before you even know who you're wrestling. But yeah, those lucha crowds, rings are
2: uh, lucha rings are no joke. There's actually no spring in them.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, but those crowds, like those crowds, make you or break you. Uh, you know, especially in Mexico City, they see AAA every single week they see wrestling all throughout their lives. Every week you can just walk into most buildings and find crazy athletic wrestling. So if you're not up to par, they don't treat you up to par, but when they start cheering, when they start rocking, they start rolling. It's insane. It's absolutely just nutty and they're so easy to feed off of. And they just, when you do it well, they, you know, they they respond in, t- in in tune and it's like it's it's great. Like Mexico and probably England are two of my favorite crowds that I've been able to uh, to work in front of.
2: How is working in England?
1: I've never had uh, somebody sing an insult at me before. <laughs> um, it's it, like they're they're creative, man, and it throws you off. Like you'll be in the middle of a match and your head will be in the game and you'll be going, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're they're, they're soccer chanting at you, and they're all in rhythm. Like, not just like a few, all of them. And then there's like a bunch of stuff that, you know, because I'm not used to the culture there. Uh, I remember when I was over there, Angelo Dawkins had a blue and orange singlet, and they started chanting Iron Brew, and then everybody was laughing because they could tell that none of us knew what Iron Brew was. Uh, (laughs) And then, which was quickly followed by all of the fans after the show bringing us uh, this this beer, which, and you know, I'm probably gonna get a lot of flack for it. I eh, didn't really like, but uh, but it, it's cool. Like it's awesome going to these new places and experiencing uh, cultures that are different than ours in the U.S. Uh, and just getting these crazy crowds. that just you know, the thing that binds us all is our love for pro wrestling. It just makes it a lot more fun.
0: I can only imagine you being six eight and being over in like England or down in Mexico as tall as you are. I mean, the the reaction from the fans are, have to be extraordinarily different um, every, when they see every
1: like, single time somebody comments on my height. Like even even in the U.S., they're, like they're like, oh, like they said you were that big on TV, but I didn't really think you were that big. Like, how you can't like. There's no, there's no way around it. Like we told you six, eight, like, right. What did you think? What did you think that meant? Well, I'll give you a fan's perspective on this.
0: uh, Total (laughs) fan's perspective. I've said this over the years with, with the big show. Okay. I knew he was tall. I I know what they say his height is and everything, but when I saw him in Sioux city, Iowa at the Tyson event center, like having him come out of the behind the curtain and coming down the ramp and seeing that and being right there on the ramp uh, and just looking like, it's like just a whole different kind of like experience, you know, he's big, but once you stand right there, it's like, Oh my God. Like you guys are uh, huge.
1: Shaking big shows hand was like shaking hands with a catcher's net. Holy crap. Honestly, it was like, I've, only two people have ever made me feel that tiny before. Big Show's one, and Shaquille O'Neal was the other. And like, I have pictures next to them both, and I, I look like what people look like standing next to me.
0: Have you uh, ever it's met Hacksaw Jim Duggan?
1: Yes. Have you times.
0: have you sh- shaken his hand before?
1: Oh yeah, we've uh, we've shared. Uh, a few drinks after wrestlemania's at the wrestlemania after parties
0: the, only, um, the reason why i've asked that is because we had him up here and we i shook his hand and i was like oh my god like this is like a to me it was like a catcher's mitt like and it it's just a rock solid handshake like holy hell mate,
1: he's one of those guys like, when i was growing up my father always told me it's not a guy with a big hand this guy's with big wrists yeah it's like because you're gonna get in a bar fight look at the wrists because if they have thick wrists, they're probably gonna hit you a lot harder than you wanna get hit. Oh yeah. yeah see, one I those guys, it's like a straight line from his elbow to his knuckles. Yeah. Like it's just a log. Yeah.
2: <laughs> see, I have a theory why he shook your hand so vicious, Charles. It's because he didn't want to be in South Dakota.
0: Yeah. They, they they give me a crap about being in South Dakota quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, hey, you know, uh I I, I gotta ask you this. What When you were down at NXT, uh, was uh, Eugene your coach?
1: Um, I got to work. W- he was never specifically my coach, but I did get to do some extra training sessions and uh, learn a bit from Nick.
0: Okay, because he uh, has a promotion, him and his wife here uh, in South Dakota, called Midwest All-Pro Wrestling. So um, I just wanted to know because it's cool to – to meet and talk to people and ask about that and the experience with him. Cause uh, he's just an OVW legend. Um, and he's trained a lot of you guys, uh, and he's really good at what he does.
1: He's, he's one of those guys. Um, you don't, you don't really realize how absolutely talented he is until you get to kind of like roll around and, and learn from him. Like Dinsmore to me, just, is, uh, I I can't even find the word for it, he's so smooth and so fluent in the ring and between like him and Norman Smiley I think I've learned more technique than I'll ever get to use in my entire life but I think on top of that where Dinsmore really shines is his ability to develop characters for his ability to you know uh, kind of take something and just push it a little bit into a much more entertaining realm Uh, I mean, that's obviously how, you know, that's his bread and butter based on his, you know, WWE stuff. But when you, when you really get to sit him down and pick his brain, you really learn like how in tune with pro wrestling he is.
0: Right. Uh, If you ever get a chance, go to his YouTube channel and look at that. Cause I mean, I can see exactly what you're saying, how he like morphs and like chips the, you know, rough edges off these uh, individuals. And then, you know puts him out there and encourages him in certain ways. Cause I mean, it's it, the amount of stuff that he's done is just unbelievable uh, what he's put. I mean, he, he's in front of, I think at the smallest group is like maybe 180 people every, you know, Sunday, um, once a month at the icon. And then when he does his big events, he has like about 800 people there, uh, watching it. I mean, I can't remember. I know it was more than that. Um, when uh they did their supermania and they had billy gunn down there
1: oh i bet i actually forgot that he lived in south dakota uh, <laughs> well, as soon as he said south dakota though i was is honestly popped up in my mind i'm like i think i think i know someone who runs there but i can't remember
0: <laughs> right uh so uh you're a lot of the athletes that are in pro wrestling uh, don't really have this accolade, but you're one of them. You went to college and you got a degree, right?
1: Uh, two degrees. Two degrees.
0: What were those degrees that you got in the colleges or the uh, universities, I should say, that you went to?
1: I uh, I, have a, I have a bachelor's of science in biology and another one in environmental science.
0: Wow, very cool.
1: Uh, I actually, when I was released from NXT... Um, the job I took while I was trying to find my footing on the Indies, I was actually a tour guide for a private zoo. Uh, if wrestling never worked out, working with animals was going to be my next, uh, my next goal.
0: Right on. Uh, what, what made you go to, uh, the university to get these degrees? Did you have like a, a liking before or is this something that you figured out when, why you were in, uh, in, in college or at the university?
1: Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, professional wrestling has honestly driven every major decision I've made in my life. Uh, it was when I was nine years old, it was the reason I started wrestling. Uh, because I, I thought that I would show up to my, you know, school's gym and there would be a ring and there's not at all. Um, I ended up falling in love with amateur wrestling. And to me, that was going to be, my way into WWE. I didn't know it at the time, but I figured if I got good enough, it'd be my best chance. Um, So when I had an opportunity to wrestle in college, like I didn't want to waste the academic side of it either. You you never know where life's going to take you. You never know the twists and turns that's, you know, there's in front of you. So I figured that I wanted to put my best foot forward and get something, you know, meaningful to me. And, you know, growing up on a farm, I've been around animals my whole life, and it's just something that, other than wrestling, I'm actually passionate about and I've wanted to work on. I think once I get a little bit more time and a little bit older and can settle down a bit more, I definitely want to start a large dog rescue, kind of like Burt Ward down in Florida. Oh, right on. That's that's a long way away, but it's just – You know, biology, environmental science, animals in general are, like, something I'm very passionate about, something I want to kind of go out and, and, you know, do what I can.
0: Right on. Uh, It says that when I was doing research, you debuted in in 2010.
1: Yeah, I actually had my first match October 16th in 2010, or 2010, 2010. So uh, this year in October will be my ten year mark. All right, awesome. Uh,
0: wh- where did you go to get your training originally? Then,
1: so I went to college and I wrestled in college at a little D two school called Ashland University. It's about uh, halfway between Cleveland and Columbus. Right next to that, there's a town named a little town called Mansfield. It's uh, that's where the prison is where they shot Shawshank Redemption.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and so there, I met a guy. His name's a living nightmare, Jimmy Lee. Uh, he ran a school called the ASWA, um, which was originally started by Charlie Fulton, um, uh, who was one of the original power plant trainers. And just if you uh, if you take the time to actually look up Charlie Fulton, you'll see some like crazy accolades. He he wrestled uh, The Rock's grandpa at Madison Square Garden. Like, oh wow. He's Yeah, he's he's wrestled with Andre. He's wrestled with every major name in the 80s and 90s. But I, I, you know, I found out there was a training center near me. And my sophomore year of college, I went 16 and 16 uh, wrestling. And it kind of hit me that I didn't, you know, I didn't think I was going to be very good. Um, And so I decided I wanted to go focus on my pro wrestling because that's, Um, that's honestly all I've wanted to do anyways. Uh, so I looked up Jimmy Lee and I started training with him, told him about my situation. Um, you know, with college wrestling that you're not really supposed to do both at the same time. And you got to kind of keep our mouths shut about it so I don't get in trouble. But he was awesome. He's super old school, super grounded. Um, just very like everything's a matter of respect for him. Like through and through, and I think it was those kind of just old school roots that really helped me kind of navigate the pro wrestling scene today. Like, you know, the guys from his era are the guys who are running the better shows now. So, and you kind of get a better idea of how to how to talk to them and how to be more respectful in every single way. Uh, but He gave me he gave me a lot to learn and then I still like, I still go work for him all the time. Like he's, I like, I, I would not be this far without him. I'll tell you that much. Right on. Yeah. One of my favorite things when
2: I was training was training with like the old school guys. Cause it felt like you just learned a lot more from them and it, they, they kind of gave you the tools to go out on your own and kind of just do it. You know,
1: it's, uh, it's funny. The way uh, Norman Smiley explained it this way to me, and it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of cool, but like a lot of those old school guys, like a lot of coaches and everything, when they train you and they tell you stories and they give you all of this information, you don't really understand it at first. It's almost like they're giving you all the pieces for a car, and you need to figure out how to assemble it before you can start driving. There's still lessons. I'll still be out in the middle of the ring. And I'll do something, and I'll get a huge reaction from the fans. And in my mind, it's honestly like, Norman told me that five years ago. Like, duh. Like, this is what he meant, obviously. Like, I should have – how did I not figure this out? But it's one of those, like, you don't know what you're doing until you do it. Um, But, yeah, you're right. Like, especially those old-school guys really put a lot of things into perspective for you and really, like, give you all these – Awesome pieces to become, you know, bigger and better as a professional wrestler.
2: Yeah, there was a, a lot of instances in uh, my uh, my career that uh, when um, I started training with Bobby Bradley, he was uh, Rob Van Dam's uh, partner in AWA aerial assault. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of things he uh, taught me really helped me so much. Like uh, I was working these lucha promotions and working people that didn't speak English. And when they messed up a spot there's not really much you can do besides go old school with it, throw a kick, get them in a headlock and then rearrange it, you know, uh, how a lot of like schools like to train it now where it's just spots after spots after spots like that, that's impossible to do. You're just lost in the ring.
1: Yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely can agree with you there. Um, I took a lot of time, actually, when I was in NXT. Another cool place about there is they offer you a certain amount of money to take classes, and I was I used that time and that money to to learn some basic Spanish and basic Japanese just to avoid that exact situation you were talking about. Yeah. Just I trust me, I could not get a, around in Mexico at all, but I could at least know how to. Uh, Barely fix a problem if it comes up.
2: <laughs> uh, in yeah. ring, it is in ring.
1: Do they yeah, help? Yeah,
2: the... No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just. Oh, yeah. I, like one of the craziest things I ever uh, witnessed was uh, a lot of people don't know this, but TJP is actually fluent in Spanish. Uh, when, when you hear this little Asian guy like start like just spouting off Spanish, it's it's just like it's a huge like just mind fuck, you know.
1: Oh. Yeah, you never you never really know, like, who knows what languages until you hear them just start spouting stuff off. Um, it's fun for me because, like, not a lot of people know that I'm – and I'm not nearly fluent. I'm not even close. Uh, but a lot of people don't know I have any experience at all. But, I like, if I pick out four or five words, I can give the gist of a sentence. And it's it's kind of interesting to hear – you know, just conversations going on around you when they don't know you have any idea what they're saying.
0: As a fan, I've always wondered how you guys get through that because I, you know, you have all these different cultures, all these different uh, places people come from. Um, You guys have more knowledge than I do. Um, Can you give the listeners a little idea how, how you get through to that when you have individuals come in from like the Lucha area or from like England or other countries and you end up having to, you know, wrestle, like, how do
1: you, how do, who helps you with that? Um, one of the biggest thing here is, like, wrestling's sort of a universal language. When you, when you train enough and when you know enough, you can kind of figure out where things are going and what's happening based on body position alone. Um, and that's, that's honestly probably 75% of it. It just knowing and understanding professional wrestling uh, but there's always there's always a way around it I know in mexico City we had a couple translators um, I had a really hard time in doing media in Mexico City because my translator for the news was so short I had to lean down to understand like to actually hear them in the arena uh um, but it's you know there's there's always ways around it but Definitely, I think just being in tune with professional wrestling is the biggest thing for us.
0: Would you say that the crowds are lo- a lot louder uh, in in Mexico than uh, you have in some of these bigger cities that you've ever wrestled in in the United States?
1: Um, I've had I've had loud crowds, you know, everywhere. It's it's. Uh, hmm, I'm trying to figure out how I want to say it. There's definitely places I've been that. A lot of people just like to sit and watch, and they don't really get uh, involved. They they want to watch almost as spectators. Um, our last set of tapings in the Melrose Ballroom up in New York was like that, where you have guys. You had a three-way with Elgin, Cage, and Eddie Edwards, which was amazing. Like, just one of the one of the better matches I think that we've had in a long time. And just those three guys laying it all out and going crazy. And this crowd was just kind of sitting on their hands. And they realized it wasn't because they weren't interested. it's because they were they were watching. They were spectating. Um, Mexico is a cool place because they, they like to get rowdy. Uh, England's a cool place because they like to get rowdy. But you don't always get that. Crowds are different everywhere you go, and sometimes you go back to the same city, and they want something different out of you. Or they, you know, now they want to see it in an athletic contest rather than two dudes just slugging it out. Um, it's like all every crowd is like trying to put together a puzzle, and you don't know what the pieces look like yet.
2: So speaking about crowds, uh, what was the worst crowd you've ever had?
1: Oh jeez, like every one of my matches? No. Um, <laughs> uh, as I as I was telling you guys, uh early on in NXT, nobody came to those shows. When when it was just transitioning from FCW to NXT, we were going out to these places like, You know, uh setting up getting there early, setting up the ring, doing everything for twelve people to show up. And actually, I think probably the one that rings most to my mind was in, there's a little town called Palatka. Um, if you haven't heard of it, you shouldn't because it's Palatka. And there was maybe 10 to 12 people in the crowd. And one of the matches that night where Harper and Rowan, led by Bray Wyatt, Before and this is before they debuted on NXT. Um, it was those three... Versus two younger guys, Travis Tyler and Troy McClain. Um, And one whole side of the crowd, on the left side of the ring, the whole side of the crowd was just Travis Tyler's dad. That was the only person there. (laughs) And after the match, they leave him lame. Bray Wyatt comes and kneels over top of Travis Tyler, like cradles his head like he was dead, and just cuts one of the most just – Magnificent, terrifying, just emotional promos to this kid's dad. Just one person. And it was one of the first times, you know, and I brought it up earlier in this, you know, talking with you guys. It's one of the first times I've seen somebody pour their heart and soul out for nothing, for nobody. Someone who cares so much about professional wrestling that they don't care that it's 12 people. They're going to do absolutely everything in their power to make sure that they go home remembering their face. And I think that's what separates Bray from a lot of guys is the, like the man's not only good, but he cares. He cares about what he presents in front of the people. Right. You know, when I was first starting out, like still in Ohio, there was definitely some, you know, you take whatever you can get. You end up working some lower-level promotions for little to no money, and you're happy about it. But when you're getting paid and you're working for almost nobody, it's it, it can get embarrassed. Like it almost feels embarrassing. It feels hurt. Like you you feel like you deserve more. No, you know nobody owes you anything in this business. And I think it was those you know cruddy little twelve-person draws that makes you really figure that out
0: right um now with you being in uh impact uh what are some of the uh events that are coming up because i've been watching it every tuesday uh i'd also want to know like how does it feel to be on access tv from the other platform that you guys used to be on
1: i think it was pursuit uh the move to access has been really cool um you can especially tell from just how much how much better all of our filming and our storylines are. Uh, they're able to they're able to provide a lot more for our uh, you know for our company and impact than I think Pursuit was. Not saying Pursuit was a bad home. I just I really think Access is a nice fit for us. I think um, is really is. Part of the reason why we're blowing up is because we're.
0: I would, uh, I would say though, it, the, it, the pursuit wasn't bad. It's just that it wasn't accessible for a lot of individuals. The the access special. Quintessential... Is... Oh. Yep. allusion? No. no, you're here. No, I was just okay. saying like the access is a lot more accessible than what pursuit was. Pursuit. There's nothing wrong with pursuit. It's just that not enough people uh, knew what pursuit was or were able to get to. Uh, that channel on their provider.
1: So if you're only watching, you know, the the program at 8 o'clock on Access or Twitch, which you should be, you're kind of missing out. We also have Twitch specials as well as uh, specials for our Impact Plus app. I know on February 22nd, uh, we're going to be having Sacrifice out of, I believe, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and then, like, March 28th is going to be Lockdown, Um, these are are Impact Plus specials. And one of the cool things about that is we kind of can join with independent companies from that area. So you get to see not only guys from your area, but guys you've never seen before, you know, shine against the likes of, you know, our Impact superstars and, you know, have tries and be able to show their face. Impact is out here because we want to build up independent wrestling and and build up wrestling in general. Um, And I think it's awesome being able to work with a lot of the smaller independent companies (laughs) on our Impact Plus app and things like that.
0: I think you guys got something coming up with uh, uh, OVW, I think, with with Al Snow, if I remember right from the interview that I had with him uh, a couple months ago.
1: Um. Uh, yeah, coming up in February. Let me make sure I have these days right. Uh, uh, t- February twenty-first and twenty-second. Um, so twenty-first will be with OVW out in Louisville, uh, then twenty-second will be Sacrifice, and I think that's out in Tennessee. Um, but yeah, we get to we get to work a lot with OVW, um, and and kind of help those. You know those guys and those girls that are training down there with Al uh, you know grow and prosper a little bit kind of get out and wrestle somebody who's not from OVW
0: right um, what is it like for you just not as a, an athlete in in professional wrestling but also you're a fan how how does that make you feel personally that you guys get to do that and help these um, you know independents and all that stuff because you know when I was younger you never really saw that on tv it was just you know whoever worked for that that company and and that's it um you have a little thoughts on that
1: yeah um just for me professional wrestling is something that should you know is is to be loved is to be to be enjoyed you're here to get entertained um and i think with Impact going out and, like, going against these these smaller companies and these guys and stuff like that, like, I think we're doing our part to help help build professional wrestling on on a different level. Uh, For me, you know, I played it before I signed with Impact. I had a few matches that were just that. I was working Impact guys almost as triads. Um, You know, I I firmly believe the match that got me signed was – Uh, Against Moose here in Dayton, Um, and there was a a Twitch special called Ohio versus Everything, uh, and this is before I signed. And just having someone of his caliber come out and 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 go toe to toe with me, and you know, I I came up short, but it was the first time I I really was able to to show what I had and what I could bring to the table, Um, and it it kind of empowered me a bit. It kind of proved to me that, you know, I wasn't just this NXT reject, that I was someone that's going to be a threat and going to be powerful and and going to run through everybody, you know? Right. Um, And I don't think that has the same effect without that match.
0: I got to ask this, though. um, Did you ever wrestle in the six-sided ring when you were there? Did they still have that, or have they... Uh, long ago, got rid of that that ring for Impact.
1: Uh, I never had an opportunity to. Um, like, I'm a little upset about that, but from what I hear, it might not be the worst thing. Um, me personally, now that they've announced that uh, uh, on on April 3rd out in Tampa, we're running a show. It's TNA. There's no place like home. And they're bringing back the TNA logo and everything. And it's open to anybody who's ever worked for the company. Um, And I personally hope they bring back the six-sided ring for that one show. Right.
0: Speaking of uh, going back old school, uh, I got to ask, what were your thoughts about the whole old, old school episode that you guys did?
1: Uh, There was a lot of stuff that you guys didn't even get to see from that show, uh, it was honestly a blast. It was a time for us to go, like, hey, let's take the handcuffs off a little bit. Let's just relax and just have some fun with professional wrestling. Uh, It was cool because I found, you know, they they showed up to a wrestling match, and we kind of just explained right away, like, hey, by the way, this is going to be a little different. We're going to have some fun with this. And the crowd got behind it, um, and it became just this just crazy and fun. And I, I, honestly, I hope we get a chance to do that every Thanksgiving, hope so that becomes the new turkey truck.
0: I, I think it would be really cool for you guys to do that. I know that it was just amazing with the, the promo that they put out on Twitter and on social media in general, uh, the names that, that you guys thought of. For individuals was was uh, was a throwback and was awesome as well too.
1: Um, and it just so happened that I had a uh, CCCP singlet hanging around. Don't ask questions. Some of us just have, you know, the Soviet Union wrestling single available to us at any given point in time. Um, my biggest thing though, my biggest upset with that whole show. Is that Dave and Jake as the New Wave didn't get to wrestle as the New Wave? They only cut a promo. Oh, okay. That was my that was my biggest flaw with the whole thing is that we didn't get to see them wrestle uh, as Surfer dudes because it's honestly like my favorite thing out of that whole uh, whole, whole thing.
0: Right. Well, we're getting uh, uh towards the the end here. Dave has a question to ask. You. Then uh, after that one, then uh, we'll finish up here.
2: So, uh, as, as one of my, uh, favorite things from, uh, from wrestling, uh, it could be good, bad, and different. It could just be entertaining. Uh, what's your favorite road story?
1: Uh, so I, I just got this, asked this question the other day and it, and it kind of made me happy, but, uh, so my birthday is April 2nd. It's always around mania. It's kind of one of the reasons you know, I fell so in love with with wrestling in general. That's the only pay-per-view I'd ever get to see every year was WrestleMania. My parents would buy it for my birthday. Um, so when Mania was down in Dallas the last time, uh, they pulled me out of Access along with Alexander Wolfe, um, and we ended up meeting up with Baron Corbin. And from, you know, when we were leaving uh, – Matt Bloom, he even asked me, he's like, hey, today's your birthday, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, cool. got something special for you. They put me in a car, and they drove me out to uh, the Alamo Dome, and they took us through, like, this special little room, uh, and in this room was nothing but a ring and the three of us. And so we're just kind of waiting there. Curtains open up, and it's Jack, and he just walks in, uh, and he needed to be prepared for uh, the Battle Royal, the over-the-top Andre the Giant, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Um, and basically, they, they, you know, they knew he was going to be in there against Big Show, and they needed to make sure that he could fall out of the ring without dying. They set aside a whole hour, but because it was my birthday, they decided that I get to be the test dummy to show Shaq how to get thrown out of the ring. Um, So it was just kind of one of those nutty things that happened in wrestling that I ended up getting to train Shaq.
0: (laughs) I wish we could have uh, seen Shaq uh, at one of the big events, but we never really ended up seeing that come in to actual ring action.
1: Um, I I will tell you, that man is crazy athletic for his size. Like, you think maybe, like, oh, he's getting older. Maybe he's not that athletic. Like, no. I showed him this. I showed him twice, and he got it down pat. And we had 50 minutes left. So we're just like, oh, well, you want to mess around? And so he was giving us body. We showing him to do body slams and choke slams, anything that we knew he could give us without hurting himself. yeah um, And just his athleticism and just, like, his childish nature that's the other thing he's a child he just loved it he was just enjoying being in the ring and having fun uh his personality his athleticism just he's an awesome guy to be around very cool
0: yeah he's uh he's a pretty funny guy too and um i I don't know how he does it athletically uh as big as he is but uh, it is amazing um i also want to apologize though earlier when you came to the studio Um, I did not know that your opponent for this February 1st was going to show up randomly, Um, uh, Duke Cornell, the Copperhead. Um, I know that uh, we kind of got, you know, people out of here and and got him away and and all that, and he had some words for you. Is there any response that you would like to, you know, put on air uh, to let the the fans know of now this is wrestling, uh, what they could expect for this match happening February 1st?
1: Yeah, I heard everything he said. I heard the video. I I, I I listened to those words over and over again. It kind of makes me smile a little bit. He's trying so hard to be intimidating. He's trying so hard to scare someone who's bigger and stronger and faster than he is. Now, I, wrestling ability aside, which he is a good wrestler, the fact that he's trying so hard to intimidate me makes me think that he's kind of scared himself. The fact that he would imply that I'm stupid because I'm not focusing on him. No, 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 no. Just quite the opposite. See, I had to go through Ken Shamrock first. I had to go through tapings in Mexico first. By the time I get to him in February, the first day of February, by the time I get to him, I have wrestled in three different countries and six different states. So it's not a matter of looking so many challenges ahead of me. And honestly, that's going to be his biggest asset to know that I'm out here and I am busting my ass. I am traveling around this country fighting the best of the best. But I hope he knows. I hope you're listening to I honestly do. Because I hope you know that while I'm out here and I'm fighting, I'm getting better. I'm getting stronger. My in-ring prowess is gaining so much more. Your intimidation tactics are just that—a tactic. It doesn't matter how scared you want to try to be. When you are in the ring, you are in the ring with a six-foot-eight, almost three-hundred-pound monster, Duke. So please, be prepared and bring everything you have, because I am going to punch you so hard in the Face that you are going to contemplate quitting wrestling altogether. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry
2: for uh, Charles's mess up too.
1: <laughs> thanks, thanks, Dave. Thanks that. for
0: thanks for thanks for being there. Throw <laughs> yeah. him under the bus. Oh, yeah. Throw under the bus. Oh said. Yeah. The wheels go around. They always throw me under the bus. Uh, we can end on the happy note, even though there were some uh, bad things happened earlier. Uh, like I said, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, for Dave, the Tiger man, Smith, my name is DJ barbecue. Uh, you know, hope to see you, uh, up there. If I get time, uh, I'm trying to make it to, uh, now this is wrestling. Um, appreciate everything that you're doing. Uh, have a safe trip and, uh, peace. We're out. It's brought to you by K back. Rocks rock radio, the way rock radio should be. Go to KbackRadio.com and listen today. Jekyll and Hyde Barbecue, our brothers from another mother, they make barbecue so good, Mm -hmm. it'll put a smile on your face. Remedy Brewing Company, it's the remedy for what ails you. And Midwest All Pro Wrestling. Go to MidwestAllProWrestling.com and get tickets and feel the excitement.